Good evening, everyone. I know once again my sound is terrible. I do apologize. I need like some. So I was noticing last night we were leaving the house and the dog was barking and you could hear it echoing in here. So I was like, wow, we really need some rugs. So I'm really thinking that today, especially as I'm trying to record this in a semi-coherent way. I am once again recording early because we have more work stuff with Andy's job. I love those people. They're fantastic. Dip's here, in case you couldn't tell. He's sitting on the shelf over my laptop, so here's his tail. As you can see, this is why he was probably named Dip. Um, they said that they named the cats that came in at about that time for dance moves, but as far as I'm concerned, it's because of his little tail. Looks like it was dipped in paint, and it's because he's a dipstick sometimes. Um, but compared to the puppy, he's a genius, so really it's just a matter of comparison. So I am stoked to be with you guys here once again. Unfortunately, today it looks like pretty much all the news is about that poor submersible um, and the five guys who are on board. And I'm very sad to say that it doesn't look like they made it. It looks like, um, thankfully, I will say, I will say this measurably because it's not a very nice thing to say, but I want to be realistic. I'm glad that it looks like it was an implosion and not like a really long, slow thing, like a very painful, terrifying issue. Um, it looks like it was like a quick collapse um, loss of oxygen, drowning, stuff like that, instead of suffocating slowly, um, gradually running out of oxygen, just staring at each other in horror in the depths of the ocean. So, as horrible as horrible deaths go at the bottom of the sea, that's probably one of the less horrible ways you could go. Um, and I realize no one else is going to say that because it's not a very nice thing to say, but I think it's true. If you're in a situation like that, I would rather have it be quick, right? You have to know. First of all, when you go to, when you go on an adventure like this, Dip, you're killing me, Smalls. Why don't you just keep, keep that, keep that where it belongs, buddy. <laughs> when you go on an adventure like this, when you sign that waiver, you have to know that there is a risk of dying, especially in a tiny little submersible submarine like this. Um, you have to go and look at the submarine before you get in it and be like, okay, this looks like a minivan. The ballast is like used construction pipes. They're using a literal video game controller to move the sub itself. And that is not high quality workmanship. The other thing too that I mentioned yesterday is that the CEO of the company, who yes, was on board this submersible, had said in the past he was on, on record on a Zoom call as having said he did not want 50 year old white male engineers because it was not motivating, uninspirational. And I just have to say, I think this might actually be the very first death directly attributable to DEI. Um, and it is ironic that if you arrange, rearrange the letters in DEI, it spells die. Um, but that doesn't stop me from feeling bad because I am pro-life. I do believe that human life is very valuable. You are very distracting. I'm going to throw you off of there. I wish I had my spray bottle. Let's see if I can move this a little bit. No guarantees. I'll probably move to right where I don't want it to be. There we go. Just gonna kind of crouch, crouch down a little bit. You're annoying. What happens if I pull on this? Yeah, he's gonna swing at me. Okay, you're gonna have to get down, bro. Anyway, yeah. So I was saddened to hear that because every human life is valuable. The left had some weird, disgusting takes and I did not like them at all. But at the same time, that shouldn't really be surprising. So I don't think I have one pulled up right now, but yeah, they were saying that they were glad that he was 
They were saying they were glad he was in this horrible position because he was rich. They were saying that it's not fair to spend money looking for people when poor people also need help. They were saying that um, they apparently found out that this guy had donated maybe to some local politicians um, in his area who happened to be part of the GOP. Oh my gosh, surely that means that he probably just actually deserves to die the most horrible way I can imagine, right? Truly, truly awful, truly heinous stuff. And I, I, every time something like this happens, I listen to the left and I'm just like, I actually can't believe you think that. But after enough of these, like the death of the queen, anybody's death, really. Guys, there was a little boy whose lemonade stand got robbed in Harlem, I think it was. And leftists got on Twitter, because Twitter is a cesspool, and were saying he was dressed like a slave owner. He deserved it because he was white. He deserved it because he was a male. That's what you get for trying to run like a little tiny lemonade stand as a young child. And there's a picture of this kid, and he just looks like he's actually heartbroken because this is what he'd been working on like for a few different days. And every time I read something like that, I'm like, I used to think that social media just displayed human nature for what it was, but I'm not really convinced of that anymore. I kind of feel like social media actually makes people worse. And I argue with Andy about this point, and I argue with a lot of people about this point. I actually kind of agree with Jordan B. Peterson's take that anonymity is a very bad for culture conversation. Um, Mike Tyson is supposedly supposedly on record as having said um, a lot of people have forgotten what it means to say something and experience direct physical repercussions for saying those things. I won't say here what exactly he said because, you know, he's a boxer, so he said something very direct. Um, But it's true. And I think that anonymity really allows people no accountability. There's no standards to which to hold themselves to. And they feel almost this need to say the most awful thing they can to get clout. It's interesting. It's trigger. It's triggering. It's rage bait. It gets the clicks. It gets the likes. It gets the views. This is actually something that the mainstream media has found. I think we all know this by this point. But if they can make a headline that's sufficiently outrageous, um, people are going to click it, right? They're going to read it. They're going to disagree vehemently probably, but they will also share it. And that will bring eyes to it. And it doesn't even matter almost if people agree with you or not. Because who cares? They're sharing it, right? Which is a really, really interesting phenomenon. And when it comes to advertisers, all you need is the views. All you need is the page views, the like counts, all that other stuff. So they go with it. And it seems to work out for them. But I do not like anonymity very much. I understand that a lot of my followers are anonymous. And I understand you should have the right to be anonymous. But I will say right now that I think it makes the potential for, I will say it makes, okay, so it makes two things possible. It makes it more likely for people like us, like conservatives, to be brave and speak out and not worry about stuff like cancellation losing our jobs. That's great. Happy to hear that. But I will say on that count, as a bit of a caveat, caveat, um, when you take the easy way out, you're going to stop fighting for actually making it real in real life, making it so that you can't be canceled, right? Making it so that these institutions are not out to get you. You can just kind of hide. Great. Here he is. Hi, sir. (laughs) I'm going to throw him on the floor. Goodbye. (laughs) The star of the show. We all know who the real 
the real star is. Um, when you have that anonymity, it makes it a little bit easier for you to just say, you know what, I don't care. It doesn't bother me. I'm not really going to worry too much about these gigantic institutions that are trying to silence other people as long as they can't get to me. So first of all, that's a very, very frail. There is no such thing as actual anonymity on the internet. And you can look at the ways we were talking about yesterday, the military goes in and tracks people who say embarrassing things about military leaders. That's nuts. That's the US military trying to figure out who's saying this certain thing. They can find out who you are. They can track your IP address. And I'm not Andy, so I can't get into all of the nitty gritty, but I happen to know that they can make it happen if they want to figure out exactly who you are. They can probably also figure out where you are, where you live, what you do for a living, what your family is like, where they go to school, all of that stuff. So you should not be on the internet laboring under the delusion that you are capable of escaping the scrutiny of these institutions. I personally, because I'm not anonymous on the internet, I firmly believe that you should stand there. You should hold your stance firmly. You should care a lot about what you believe. You should push it as far as possible. You should refuse to refuse to back down, right? Why would you back down? You're not a politician. You don't need people's votes. Um, you need to hold the line for your children if you care about the future. And I'm not sure if it's a good thing that I've influenced Andy in this way or not because he says he said earlier today, he's like, I've gotten a lot more brave online. I'm not worried about saying what I think. And I thought, that's great. But it kind of does put you in dangerous territory and understand that. But people are adults. They know that if they go onto the internet and they put if they attach their names to what they're saying, they're going to be held at least to some degree accountable. Some people are afraid of that. Some people don't like it. Some people either know that their ideas are indefensible or uh, are or are unwilling to actually try to change the system. So I know it's a long way from where I began with this talk about the sub. That whole story makes me very sad. So I wanted to kind of interject this idea about anonymity into the conversation because I think that is exactly what's allowing the left to say all these awful things they're saying. Um, I think that if, if their names were attached... Although we do know they have control of the institutions, they might not might not worry about it so much, but I think if their names were attached to it, they might at least feel a little modicum of shame, um, or they certainly should. Now, that's called cultural enforcement when that happens, when you actually are going to say something, but then you stop and you think, okay, what are people going to think of me if I say this? Are they going to think less of me? The left will call that stigma. Okay, so the MPOX czar on the Biden administration. You guys know what I'm talking about. You know exactly what Mbox is. We don't call it that, but that's what they call it. Um, that guy was saying that we need to lift stigma around these certain awful, awful lifestyle change, lifestyle practices. And I was just sitting there thinking, I took care of people who were younger than me in the hospital who had burned out heart valves because of something called high-risk lifestyle, Okay. This was this willingness to do drugs, the willingness to get yourself into dangerous situations, the willingness to not worry about danger, and to take, honestly, just to take big risks like go to the bottom of the ocean, but that's neither here nor there. He said we need to lift the stigma around that, and I said, no, you don't. You need more stigma around that, because you know what more stigma would do to MPOX and the MPOX pandemic? It would end it. If people went out there and they were like, huh, what should I do this Friday night? Should I go to an orgy or should I go hang out at a barbecue? 
Hmm, if I go to an orgy, everyone's gonna think I'm disgusting and perverted. Or, if I go to a barbecue, I can make some friends, meet some new people, we can work on our hobbies together. Right? Right? So this is literally just like peer pressure saying, here's what we should do instead of this horribly risky lifestyle. And actually not going to orgies is going actually going to extend your lifestyle. Because the number of things that can go wrong when you're living that kind of wild, crazy, hook up with anyone, do any drugs kind of lifestyle, you shorten your life. And it's incredibly irresponsible of the uh, MPOC star. I don't remember his name. It doesn't matter. He's just like a gay activist who also happens to be a doctor. Um, so I don't care about his opinion at all. But this is exactly what I saw when I was 11. And I was looking at feminism and I was like, you know what? They are not telling women who are obese to lose weight. If they actually cared about women, they would tell them to get healthy so they could see their grandkids, right? And I still firmly believe that. If you actually care about the demographic you are supposed to represent, you're going to tell them to do the right things, even when the right things aren't necessarily fun, okay? Or appealing. Sometimes they're challenging. Losing weight is hard. It can be frustrating. Trust me, I know. I've been there. But they don't. All they'll do is affirm, affirm, affirm. You want to go after your joy. That's what this monkey star was saying. Oh, no, I said the bad word. Oh, boy, we'll see what YouTube does with that. But um, that's what he was saying. He's like, there's so much joy. We can't police people's joy. I'm like, it doesn't matter how many times you say joy. If people are going out and intentionally committing actions that make them get sick, you have a moral obligation to tell them not to do that. Like, how complicated is this? I don't think it's complicated at all. So now I truly have strayed off the beaten path. I was just talking about the anonymity thing, but I also don't like the idea of pushing people or or putting people in a situation where they don't have any kind of accountability from the culture, where they have no societal pushback when they decide to do something crazy, like say awful things online. So I will digress on that count. I know I got a little bit off trail there, but I just wanted to share that because those are some of the philosophical underpinnings of what I think about um, that particular topic. Now, I don't know if you guys saw this. I'm going to actually look at a tweet here instead of just rambling. You're welcome. So this is from Kendall Teets. Tights? Teets? Don't know. She's a culture reporter at Fox News from a Bartley Fellow Wall Street Journal opinion. I do appreciate the Wall Street Journal opinion columns. Education reporter Daily Caller. Cool. Okay. So she says, cisgender was coined by a German sexologist, Volkmar Siegisch, who said it's the sensuality that spontaneously unfolds between a child and an adult is something wonderful and claims there's nothing wrong with pedophilia or exposing children to pornography. So Elon Musk came came under some pressure from the left, certainly, and also kind of from the right. People who are like, don't tell me what I can and can't say. We actually really want true freedom of speech. Uh, Elon Musk said cis and cisgender are considered slurs on Twitter, which is such an interesting concept. He basically said in his tweet, I think I retweeted it, so let's go down a little bit in here. If you guys don't follow me on Twitter already, what is wrong with you? You absolutely should. I have almost 200,000 followers. I'm having fun over there. I appreciate Twitter immensely. It's where I go for all my breaking news. Here's the actual tweet. Repeated targeted harassment against any account will cause the harassing accounts to receive, at minimum, temporary suspensions. The words cis or cisgender are considered slurs on this platform. 
Yeah, and Genevieve points out, for those who don't know, here is some background on the origin of cisgender as coined by a German sexologist, Volkmar Schiegest, the German guy. Yeah, so he says, first used the terms cisgender and cissexual in a 1991 publication titled Transsexual and Our Nosomorphic View. Nosomorphic View. We're going to look this up. Transsexuals, sexuals. So more. Oh wow, that is really a thing, unfortunately. Hmm. Yeah. So here he is, Volkmar Shigush, uh, sexologist, physician, and se- sociologist. Gosh, I can't talk now. So that was really interesting for sure. But she goes on. Speaking of cissexuals, if there are transsexuals, log- logically there must be cissexuals. One is not thought not to be thought without the other at all. I have allowed myself to introduce the terms cissexualism, cissexuals, cisgender, etc. According to Dagmar Herzog, author of Sex After Fascism, Memory and Morality in the 20th Century Germany, Volkmar Siegisch and his colleague Gunter Schmidt, with whom he published research on child sexuality in the 70s. Okay, so there's your first big red flag also argued that exposing children to pornography, a well-known grooming tactic of pedophiles, was completely harmless. Okay, so when the right says things like, I don't care if anybody calls me cisgender, I just want complete freedom of speech, you need to know that this is a term coined by an actual groomer, okay? If you don't like grooming, if you have issues with these concepts getting a foothold in your society, you need to stop and reflect on where this is coming from. So I'm so glad this lady gives a little bit of background. Volkmar Shigish and Gunter Schmidt argued provocatively that the representation of sex per se did no damage to youth or children, and that the kind of pornography in which sex was represented without prejudices as a pleasure-filled social activity is exactly the kind that one could, without worries, give to children and adolescents. I have to stop our friend Herzog right there. That is that's pedophilia right you guys understand this this is grooming 100 percent, and this is actually exactly what we're seeing in public schools right now there is a serious reason so i personally believe that if you come across something like grooming school children you need to go to the root of the issue and find out why it's happening and and cut it out you need to make it stop right at the beginning because if you're just fixing the symptoms you're never going to actually solve the problem. And I really don't think we just want to fix symptoms. I think we want to actually make positive change. So we need to understand the term cisgender. And I'm, I personally am very glad that Elon Musk is saying that it is a slur. Because it is opening the door to make this happen for school children. And I have serious issues with that. In the late 60s and early 70s, German sexologists began to view sexual relations with children as progressive rather than abusive. Okay, so that's put us where we are now today. So pervasive was the cultural trend toward the social liberation of pedophilia that even Germany's Green Party advocated for the abolition of paragraph 176 of the German Criminal Code, which criminalized sexual activity with children below the age of 14. Sorry, I know this is a little dicey, but we're going to go through with it anyway because it gets right to what Elon Musk is talking about. Dr. Jacob Haberlin of the University of Warwick in his article Feeling Like a Child Dreams and Practices of Sexuality in the West German Alternative Left During the Long 1970s 
says in 1970, members of the German parliament charged, charged with reforming criminal law even listened to radical education scholar Helmut Kentler, sexologist Volkmar Siegers, and other sociologists and psychologists who declared that children would, would not suffer from sexual relations with adults and that those relations should not be punished because they are a, quote, crime without a victim. Oh, the victimless crime rhetoric. This is something I don't like from libertarianism. I don't like the idea of a victimless crime. I personally think that in order to have a crime, you have to have a victim. This is not a crime without a victim, okay? I think we can all agree on that. And I'm pretty sure that 99, 90% of libertarians would agree that this is a terrible, terrible thing. I love Redux, so we're going to pop into them. Yeah, this is from Genevieve. So these, she's the one who put together this sweet, really awesome article. I think that I'll put this in the description of the uh, article because she did a really good job walking through some of the history of it. So we're going to pop back over to the Elon Musk tweet because Elon Musk has been really good about holding the line on actually protecting kids from this stuff. And I, I'm grateful. Okay. So this is something that's really, really important because we see our societal slide toward teaching porn in classrooms and Democrats will literally stand right in front of you and tell you that it's not happening even after you go and you read the books that you found in your child's classroom to the school board. They will cut you off in a school board meeting and tell you that you're being too extreme and too wild and crazy and when you try to tell them that this was found in your, your child's school classroom they will tell you that you're crazy or refuse to allow you to speak okay this is a serious problem and something that needs to be addressed. Elon Musk seems to be certainly the only famous person who is trying to put a stop to this. Now, Ashton Kutcher is really good about sex trafficking too. And if you guys are familiar with his work, he actually is doing or has done really, really good work with trying to stop or slow the spread of sex trafficking. Although that ultimately kind of feels like a futile attempt, he's doing his best and I find that to be very honorable. So anytime someone in a position of authority or influence says no to this kind of thing, I'm always very grateful. I think it's a wonderful thing and we need more of it. So I personally have no issues with a limitation of this kind on this platform. Here's the other thing that's interesting too. So I personally kind of believe that there always need to be some kind of limits on speech. And my consistent view this is something Andy and I talk about often because he is such a libertarian anarchist. My consistent view is not that the government should cram this down. It's my view is that it should be coming from the culture. Okay? You should feel bad about saying something that offends your family or your neighbors or your spouse, right? Your children. You should want to say the right things to be on good terms with them. And that should be enough of an impetus to kind of control your, your wording and try to make sure that you're not doing and saying horribly depraved things because you care about the community around you. Now, our community and our culture is not in that position yet. We are not healthy enough for that yet. But I have a dream. My dream is that one day we will have a culture that's strong enough to say, you know what? You should go to church. Having a family is good. You want to do positive things for your community. You want to have children. You can do all this other stuff. There's actually really strong purpose and meaning in life. And that doesn't come from just doing whatever you want to do and saying whatever you want to say online. Because we see, we see what happens when we're allowed to say whatever we want to say online, say the most horrible, depraved things, do the most horrible, depraved things. Guys, are we happy? Because we just read an article yesterday about teens, and I know that the issue is the same for older people. 
they're not happy. They can do whatever the heck they want and they are not happy. So I firmly believe that the way towards human happiness and fulfillment lies in strengthening the culture and the community. And I'm not a libertarian, as I've said. I don't think the smallest unit of society is the individual. I think the smallest unit of society is and or should be the family. Okay? Big government hates that a lot. This is part of the reason they're trying to break down the family unit. And it's working. It's working great. You can see it working in the black community. We're actually going to talk about that next because it was a really interesting video from the other day. Um, when you give the government too much power, you lose access to your family unit. And you have to ask yourself why. Because the individual has all the power. You would think if the individual was the most important end goal of a good society, that would be great. But it's not. It's not at all. So let's look at this next one, and I think I'll wrap it here. Black college grad's mic drop goes viral after scuffle with white educator. A black college graduate's white mic drop moment has gone viral, showing her grabbing the microphone from a white educator who apparently didn't allow her to say her full name. Kadia Iman, a digital creator with an OnlyFans account and more than 18,000 followers on TikTok, is seen snatching the mic from the stunned white woman who tries in vain to keep holding it. I want the mic. Let go. You didn't let me get my moment, she says before mentioning her name to the audience gathered outside. I'm graduating today. I don't like how you snatched the mic out of my hand, so today is going to be all about me. Okay, so first of all, I have to say she sounds lovely. (laughs) The graduate, clad in a pink-topped cap and black gown, then drops the mic and storms off. A bystander is heard saying, oh, drop some mic, congratulations. So I really kind of mostly just want to know what happened with the educator, with the teacher, to precipitate this ridiculous outburst from this young lady because she looks unhinged. Dang. So she's a college graduate, so she just finished her higher education. Andy and I also go back and forth about higher education because it turns out as you get further into higher education, the more likely you are to think that men can become women which is awesome. There's just something deeply rotten with our higher education system, and I'm not sure if it can be redeemed. I understand the purpose of higher education. I was going to to STEM before I started working for TimCast. Um, I wanted to be a surgical tech, and I wanted to do kind of that hands-on, blue-collar type of um, engaged work in that field. I thought it was really interesting. I thought the science was fascinating, but Once you get to a certain point, you're just getting education for education's sake, and you come up with critical theory and stuff like this. So, let's read more. It wasn't immediately clear what college she graduated from. In a separate video, she explained what happened. Basically, what happened was, I was walking on, and we had to say our names before we get on the stage. So, I was saying my name, and she literally, my name is long, obviously, I have like three syllables in my name, Katia, it's like Lydia. So I didn't even get to finish saying my name, and then the people that went before me all got to say their names, their major, and even extras. Me and another girl noticed she was pulling the mic down super fast for some black people. I don't want to be that person, so I just couldn't let her. I just couldn't let that happen, she explained. I just feel like I worked so hard to graduate and went through so much-ish to graduate that I just felt like I had to reclaim my moment. I'm sorry, I'm not a problematic person. I don't want to ruin anyone's day, she said. The video received thousands of comments from people who offered their congratulations. 
The tussling for the mic killed me. Congrats, though. Congratulations, Queen, but the security doing nothing is killing me. Another one wrote, Efforts by the Post to reach her on social media were not immediately successful. So, kind of sounds like she had a point there. And I have to say that of all the people who are in higher education, the white women are often the worst offenders. They are the people who push critical theory. They push white guilt. They are the Robin D'Angelo's. They are the people who are saying, oh, I'm actually afraid of black people, but I know that just my internalized racism, whatever. Actually, yes, you are racist and you don't need to project that onto everyone else. So I'm not at all surprised this happened at a college ceremony. I just thought it, I thought it was kind of interesting because this is kind of in line with my concept of how you can kind of say and do whatever you want. And it's not making society better. And it's not making anybody happier, I don't think. So, I don't know about this lady. She kind of comes across as a bit of a spoiled brat. I Maybe just very highly disagreeable. Maybe it's a cultural thing. I'm not sure. But, man, I don't know. It all feels kind of like it's falling apart. But it's felt that way for a while. I just, I was thinking about it as I'm getting ready to have my first kid. And I was like, I wonder if my parents felt the same about the world when... I was born. Right. So in the 90s, I wonder if they were looking around thinking, oh, everything's terrible. Racism's coming back. And I was like, no, the 90s were fantastic. Everybody was getting along as far as race was concerned. Like, nobody cared. Everybody thought Martin Luther King Jr. was pretty darn cool. Um, and people had, like, conservative views about gay marriage and stuff like that, even on the left. So it was really... I think these are the hard times we're going into that are going to create good people strong people rather it's up to us to make them good people they're going to be strong one way or another whether it's a positive thing or a negative thing but it is kind of disheartening but at the same time i'm really excited to be bringing a little person to this world because this world is wonderful and amazing and it's going to get better when i bring them in and then they're going to do great things so it's not impossible to be optimistic yes the world is scary but we should not be giving the institutions that power over us. We should not give them the power to scare us about this stuff. It's very important to, to maintain a mindset of bravery and say, you know what? You are not going to get away with this, okay? Someone is going to hold you accountable and it might just have to be me and my kids and we're going to have to call you out for what you do and we're not going to use the government to cram down our ideas. We're just not. We're just going to use culture. We're going to change the culture and push people to do positive things, and we're going to live in places where that is understood as the right thing to do, which is exactly why we're in Florida. So thank you guys all so much for joining me today. I really enjoyed today's chat. I really love getting into the philosophical side of things. I like to just kind of break down where I think everything's gone wrong, because a lot has certainly gone wrong, but it's not so much that it can't be saved. I'm not convinced. Like I said, I do think the world is amazing and beautiful. I am learning about Sandhill Cranes, and I think they're fantastic. There's a part of town that I drive through that has signs that say Sandhill Crossing, Sandhill Crane Crossing. And last time I went out that direction, I saw seven within my first like 30, second, 30 seconds of being on the road. So much fun. So much fun. And then we have a, a pond, a bunch of ponds actually nearby because this is Florida, um, where we walk by and every single time Dot and I go by we see a new interesting bird and we see lots of snail shells we have a great time so I really think that there's enough positive in the world to keep fighting for it and even if even if the only thing we're really fighting for is 
the concept of having the freedom to be able to go outside and look at the birds and look for sandhill cranes and find snail shells, I still think that's absolutely worth it because the world is a very interesting place and it deserves our full attention and our full um, care trying to find a way to fix it as well as the people who live in it. So thank you for joining me on this rather long ramble. I will see you all tomorrow. This is, as I said before, pre-recorded. It is going up on podcast platforms. So if you need to listen to it over the course of the weekend or while you're doing other stuff, use it to fill in the gaps between Daily Wire podcasts or whatever you want to do. Um, that's what I always do. I like, I like to listen to podcasts like 24 hours a day and I often run out of them. I just need a bunch more of them. I need to listen to more Dan Carlin because he has like a five hour podcast about the history of slavery, which just sounds so uplifting, right? But I really do want to know. I want to know, um, because people told him not to make it and he made it anyway. And I'm so proud of him for doing that. And he has to know why people told him not to make it. They want us to believe that the U S is uniquely responsible for this horrible evil. We're not. We ended it. So I will see you all tomorrow. Until then, bye, guys. How's it going?